and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the Thursday, day three of glorious Goodwood preview. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert tipsters, two of the very best in the game, Odds Checker's very own Andy Holding and Rory Delaghi. Guys, we, we spoke yesterday to preview day one and day two. We were talking about the possibility of it being soft ground for day one. It is currently about 40 minutes to the first race on the Tuesday, day one, gets underway and we're seeing heavy in the going and the after a pretty crazy night of rain. So how's that got you your preparations for this week? I think it, I think it actually makes it a lot more easy, doesn't it? Cause you can cross off the ones that, um, you know, want fast ground. I mean, we will get a few non runners along the way. So that's a uh, par for the course, but um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of it just becomes a little bit more straightforward and apparent. You, you're most long, if you've got a whole field of 20 odd horses, and all of them want good ground or have acted on good ground, then quite quite obviously it's going to make your life tricky. But um, I, I don't mind it when it goes heavy. I, actually, my my best two days at uh, Royal Ascot was when the ground changed. It went heavy. I, like I say, I think I just got more clarity of vision. Whereas, you know, looking at a wide open playing field of twenty odd, twenty odd, thirty odd runner handicaps where everything could win, and you didn't know the draw, um, that was when I, I struggled. But um, Let's hope that's going to be the same again uh, this week because at least we know where we stand anyway. Yeah, fingers crossed. And, and Rory, this is a preview for, for Thursday. Are we going to assume that by then it would have dried out a fair bit or is there more rain on the way? Well, I think we started assuming that it wouldn't be um, quite as soft on Tuesday as uh, as um, uh, the going description on Monday, but that the 16 mils of rain they got overnight in about 20 minutes um, was pretty much on forecast. So... Mm. I, I would say make no assumptions um, and, uh, you know, just check. It, again, it seems that the, the, the forecast is pretty decent from midweek onwards. But, you know, this time of year with, with thunderstorms around, it's never easy to call. So you've, um, you've, you've got to keep your options open. Yeah, so we'll wait and see what is the case in terms of the ground tomorrow and going to Thursday as well. And for Thursday's racing, we are going to preview the first four races of the day in detail. And then you've got the nursery, which is the third last, and then a couple of well, our maiden um, fillies race and then a handicap to finish, which will kind of come under any other business as well. But of course, we've got the Richmond, we've got the Gordon States, and we've got the Nassau States as well. So plenty to get through in this podcast and video. We've already done day one and day two. So if you're watching or listening to this, uh, before day one or day two's racing has got underway. That's unlikely for day one, given it's currently one one fifteen uh, on Tuesday. But if, if you haven't seen day two yet, do go and check them out on the Odds Checker YouTube channel or on any podcast platform uh, under the Odds Checker betting show. Uh, do download the Odds Checker app as well before we get underway so you can see the best prices. You know These markets are recently reformed just after final deck, so the prices will change pretty quickly. Download the app so you can see the best prices, best uh, place terms as well. Bookie offers free bets and you can get the very best tipsters in the game straight to the app as well. And these tips every morning around 9am straight to the app. The first race of the day is the uh, Kinsham Handicap. Uh, the first race where we've got Arian Power is 9-2. to Alfredel is 5-1. to one. Patient Dream, King Frankel and Tarashok all 8-1. to <coughs> Carda 9-1. to one. Dingle, uh, Namoose and Mr Excellency all 10-1. to one. A couple of others. Forest Falcon 20 two to one pure bubbles 33 to one and they take us away with the open on Thursday yeah I think these these races sort of later in the week the Thursday the Friday or even into the Saturday are quite good betting races for punters if they're prepared to do the work and prepared to um, have a little bit of foresight 
because what often happens is that bookmakers have got tissue prices, anti-parish prices on a lot of these races, and they tend to sort of don't adjust them, even though the ground suggests they should, and they, they kind of leave carrots dangling there for you to mm. sort of um, scoop up if, if you're um, on the ball. Um, there's a couple of horses in this race I do think potentially could be overpriced. Uh, I think Tarashok is definitely one of them. Um, I do like this horse. I put him up last time out when he won a maiden um, at Nottingham because uh, he come out of that very good uh, contest behind Bayed the time before at Leicester. It was a race that I highlighted on my column quite a few times and a few social media and uh, media platforms that I've been on. Um, the, the time figure that Bayer did that day um, back in June was quite extraordinary and his back-end sectionals were like very much the wow factor. So I kind of upgraded any horse that went with William Haggis's charge and Tara Shook was one of them. The race subsequently has worked out as well as I thought it would. The second, the third, the fourth, including Tara Shook as well, the fifth has won since. And we've seen Bayer obviously uh, make up into a, a horse now Fitting of his 119 rating with a smooth victory at Newmarket. Um, the ground's the only slight issue. Um, he's by Maxios, so I, I, I think that's probably going to make him okay on, on, on easy ground. I don't think it'll probably be heavy by Thursday. I think it might dry out by then, although that can't be certain. But I do think he's the, be- I think he's the best handicapped horse in the field of 86. I'd be surprised if he doesn't leave that mark behind sooner rather than later. Um, so he would be my number one choice. And I think you've definitely got to give Patient Dream some kind of shout because he will definitely like the conditions, as he proved when he beat Sarvan last time out at Windsor. Sarvan's quite a, a useful mid-range, 0-85, to 0-90 handicapper trained by George Scott. And he put him away, uh, ultimately, um, I thought quite snugly at, at, at Windsor. Um, I think a mile and a quarter is just about his trip. He has got form over shorter, but he showed last time and he stayed that uh, mile and a quarter well on soft. So those would be the two I'd be looking at, um, but mainly Tarashok. I think his maiden form um, suggests that he's not only very good, but he has the potential to be even better. Tarashok, eight to one pretty much across the board. Patient Dream, the same price. That's a big price, eight to one. With Paddy Powerhills and Betfair Sportsbook, both horses, they're eight to one. But Andy, giving the, the real nod there, I think uh, William Haggis is Tarashok. Rory? Uh, I'm a fan of, um, of Patient Dream here. Um, Andy's given him a mention already. Um, only up three pounds for that win last time out, which is, which is a solid piece of form. Um, he, I thought he should have won at Epsom the time before that. I was with him that day and he was very heavily backed. Um, and he just seemed to, to lose his pitch at an important point of that race before plugging on. And um, that's a race that King Frankel was in as well. Um, and he'd obviously be interesting from a handicapping point of view here. Uh, but Patient Dream, one last time out, gone up three pounds for it. Ray Dawson on board, taking the three pounds straight off again. Um, and he's um, he's riding tremendously well this season, Ray Dawson. Got a, got an awful lot of confidence, really believes in what he's doing. You know, he's been given a second chance, uh, and he's very much riding like that. And I think that's a, a very good jockey booking for Rafe Beckett here. So he'd be top of my list. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see King Frankel bounce back after uh, a poor run at Newmarket. Uh, he finished last there on quick ground, but all his best form is, is with some ease in the ground. So I can see King Frankel bouncing back. He doesn't want to get too far behind here. The one thing about soft ground at Goodwood makes it harder to come from behind because they will tend to um, they will tend to, to move off the rail and horses towards the front get us essentially pick their ground. And if you're coming from the rear, you've got to move wide of the leaders and or move up, up the inside of the leaders, and the chances are that you end up on worse ground. So it's not it's not the ideal scenario on soft ground trying to come from behind at, um, at Goodwood, but 
Um, so that, that would be the worry with King Frankel, given that he got behind it at Epsom, which is a similar sort of track. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be happy to stick with Patient Dream. It's a Patient Dream, uh, the one you are siding with there, eight to one, as I said, positive mentions from both Andy and from Rory. Uh, we'll go on to the second race of the day, the Unibet Richmond Stakes, where we have uh, Asymmetric is the five to two favourite ahead of Gabas at seven to two, Perfect Power, four to one. Ebro River six to one, uh, Katura eleven to one, Kunin twelve to one, uh, Giza Sub is fourteen to one. Just the seven runners as it stands, and given you know, some issues with the ground today and the amount of non-runners we've had, it's it's fair to say that that could cut up even further. Um, but Andy, who do you fancy to go well in the Richmond? Um, I think we've got the right favourite here with Asymmetric, uh, as I mentioned in a uh, podcast that we did on the Monday for the Tuesday. I, I think yeah. that July stakes is very much the best race. Certainly on the figures, anyway, on the time figures that uh, we've got. Uh, Lou Sal, unfortunately, is not able to fly the flag for that race, as predicted, because the ground's gone probably just away from him. We, we do get half a chance to see how it'll work out, because Eldrick Jones, who is fifth at Newmarket, runs um, and still represents that form line. So let's see how he goes. Um, but as it stands, I think Asymmetric is the one. Um, he, he handled cuts in the ground the time before, obviously not as bad as what he's likely to encounter on, on Thursday. But he's a course and distance winner. He's already proven that he doesn't mind going downhill. And he quickened up really well to win that day when he won. He got carried over on the right-hand side of the track and still had the qualities to win. I just like him. He's just a likeable horse. He gives himself a chance as well because he's not overly exuberant early on. He races behind the bridle a little bit, which I quite like. Um, you don't want two-year-olds pulling too hard and expending energy mm-hmm. in this ground. So I think I think that's another important point to make. We just don't know whether the looks of perfect power go bass who've got really good top-class form over five furlongs on fast ground, will handle these conditions. That's a problem with those two. Um, Ebro River, definitely been by Galileo Gold, will appreciate the ground. I've put him up a couple of times this season when the ground's been soft because of his size stats. So I think he comes back into the equation. And I think Katara's a nice horse as well. He he ran okay at um, Ascot uh, when he was seventh in the Coventry. But I think his performance at Newbury suggested he'd left that form behind in no uncertain terms, I thought that race, the Rose Bowl at Newbury that I was very, very hot. <clears throat> I put up one of uh, Ian Williams's and he, he he ran right up to his best form at the first three homes, just did him for pace. Um, so he's another major contender. I think he's overpriced. But um, with it, like I said, with the likelihood of the ground being unknown for perfect power and gubbass, I'd, I'd probably stick with him asymmetric because of his course and distance form and his ability to quicken with a favourable mention of Ebro River back on his favoured surface. Asymmetric five to two, Ebro River six to one, and Couture, the other one you mentioned there, Andy, uh, eleven to one with Hills and Mansion Bet. That five to two is with every bookmaker up on the odds checker grid and on the app to uh, Rory. Do you agree with with Andy that Asymmetric, the the likely winner, the right favourite? He's yeah, he's the right favourite, uh, and I know Andy's very very um, sweet on the uh, on the July stakes. Um, I would be inclined to to back Ebro River at the prices here. Um, he um, you, you might have slight concerns about his, his the way he sort of carried his head there at um, at Newmarket, but he ended up getting forced widest of all, and obviously racing towards the centre of the track was was a benefit. But he's um, he's just got shot a little bit wider than everything else, uh, and there were four of them in line with with fifty yards to run. He just got um, he just got uh, uh, beaten a length behind Asymmetric there. Um, he does you know he's a more racing Asymmetric is on paper the one more likely to improve. Um, but I think, as Andy says, I think the key to Ebro River is the grind. I didn't think he looked very happy on the grind at Newmarket. He, well, he didn't move very well in the last furlong. Um, 
And I think he'd be a lot happier getting back on, on soft ground here. He was very impressive in the national stakes at, at Sandown. Um, he didn't. He hasn't kept a straight path in his races. But as we've seen before, as we saw with, um, with Asymmetric, um, the drifting off to your right at Goodwood is not necessarily a bad thing mm. at times, depending what the ground is like. I mean, you, you can have scenarios where um, the ground is, is better towards the stands rail. And if you do start drifting right, you're drifting onto the worst of the ground. But um, I've seen plenty of horses win races at Goodwood going sideways in the last furlong. Um, so the fact that he doesn't keep a straight path is not necessarily a massive disadvantage here. Uh, and he is, he's looked a very good horse on soft ground. Um, obviously, you know, he's been beaten in his last couple of starts, but he's, he's gone under by, by um, reasonably fine margins, stepping up to six furlongs the last twice. He wouldn't be, probably wouldn't be the strongest there at six furlongs at this stage. Obviously, his, you know, his, his best performance arguably coming when winning the national stakes over five. But the sharp six here will suit him better, I think, than, than either Ascot or Newmarket. Uh, and the key is probably the ground. So he does have to, um, he does have to improve a little bit to reverse uh, form with asymmetric. And, you know, looking at the pair of them on paper, um, asymmetric looks at the likeliest improver. But I think the price on Ebro River will hold up. And I think you might, you might end up even getting a bit better than six to one. And that appeals to me. Six to one at the moment, Ebro River for Hugo Palmer, good ridden by James Doyle, uh, Skybet six to one, Paddy six to one, and Betfair Sportsbook six to one as well. Uh, onto the three o'clock, the third race of the day, the Thursday at Glorious Goodwood. It's the John Pierce Racing Gordon Stakes, uh, raced over, what, I think, mile, yeah, mile four. And Wordsworth is the favourite at 11 to four. Uh, Yabir, four to one. Third Rail, nine to two. Salukan, eight to one. Youth Spirit, nine to one. Ten to one, Ottoman Empire. Elias, 12 to one. And Bellocchio, uh, eight, uh, sorry, 20 to one as well. Eight runners. So you're getting your three places as it stands. Uh, Rory, how do you see this as a as a betting heat in the, in the three o'clock? It's it's pretty tight on the ratings. Um, I think Wordsworth comes out just the best in terms of, of official figures, but I'd be a little concerned about him on um, on genuinely soft ground. If, if it if it turns out good to soft in the day, then I'd imagine he'd be pretty strong in the in the betting. Um, you know, he's got um, he's got Group One placed form. Um, and um, Aiden's not throwing huge numbers of horses here, so he'll be he'll be popular. But if it was genuinely soft, I'd be, I'd be concerned about him. Um, and I'm inclined, uh, given he's proven <clears throat> on on soft ground here, I'm inclined to um, to stick with Yabir, who I thought looked very promising uh, in the classic trial at Sandown, which has worked out really well. He then looked an absolute pig at Chester. Um, and um, uh, then he was um, he was second in the Cocktastics, um, which is um, proven to be to be very decent form. Um, it looked okay at the time. It looked a lot better um, when Lone Eagle um, went to uh, the Curra, mm. um, and he's been gelded and just looked completely a completely different horse last time out um, when winning the Bahrain Trophy at Newmarket. Um, that's not a race to get massively carried away with. But I think the thing about Yabir was he looked like he had all the talent in the world early in the season, but not the application. And being gelded seems to have straightened him out. Um, that was a career best last time out. You can argue that the race um, was run to suit him. Um, but in fairness, I just thought he looked like he was applying himself for the first time properly. And the collateral form of his runs early in the season is very strong. Uh, and if the gelding, as, as appears to be the case, has um, cured him of his quirks, then I think he'd be hard to beat. Yabir, the one for Rory, hard to beat, four to one with most firms at the moment. Andy? 
Yeah, I couldn't disagree with um, most of what Roy said there. I, I'm I'm now a believer in your beer um, because you beat a horse called Mandu, a horse I've got a huge amount, huge amount of time and respect for. I, I put up Mandu as a, a dangerous float, if you like, in, in the um, mm. in the Bahrain Trophy. And to be fair, your beer made him look not second rate, but he, he beat him quite comfortably. Um, the time figure was pretty healthy. Uh, they, went a, they went a reasonable gallop that day. I think it was, I think it was Gear Up that made the running. Um, but yeah, I, I was also very impressed by the way that Yabir got his head down and that Gelden operation seemed to have worked. He was a good second behind Lowen Eagle at this track time before. He, he won't mind a bit of cutting the ground. It's more to, more the fact that Charlie Appleby's just got a dearth of top-class three-holes this season. I mean, this is the season of all seasons, is it, for Charlie? I mean, that was yeah. he had the Derby winner with... Um, Adio and of course a King George winner now. He's also got Hurricane Lane and horses like Kamari and, and Yabir now, of course, and lots of other nice three-year-olds um, just bubbling under the surface. So I think if you were to follow Charlie Appleby blind in all the the major middle distance three-year-old races, you, you wouldn't be too going too far wrong. And I think a four to one, he definitely re- represents some value here. I think four to one each way if all eight runners go to post would be a, a cracking position to be in. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be totally dismissive or prepared to write off third realm just yet. Um, for one reason or another, I don't think he quite fired uh, or was at his best at Epsom um, behind Adair in the derby because he'd beaten <coughs> the derby winner, uh, I thought, fairly readily at the Lingfield the time before. She had a really good turn of foot to overpower Charlie Appleby's horse. Um, whether it was a slightly quicker ground at Epsom, I don't know. But, um, you know, you'd forgive any horse one. Slightly below par run. Um, and let's face it, you know, the Derby's worked out really well, as we've seen with Adiar, Hurricane Lane and um, Bullshaw Ballet, um, all winning top-class races subsequently. So I do think he's a player of sorts, so he's certainly back into the equation. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably be, I'd be with Rory here. Um, I'm not sure whether Rory's in each way better at 4-1 with, with um, you know... An, account-closing kind of uh, potential with that kind yeah, of bet. And also with 48 hours to, to, to hold, yeah. hold on to your eight runners as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but we, we could sneak him in some sneaky each-way doubles and um, still still claim that kind of um, thievery. Um, and yeah, <laughs> and, and, or if you, were, if you was to split your bet and perhaps instead of having a you know a fiver each-way, you'd have a fiver on your beer and a fiver on third realm as, as a, an alternative um, uh, exotic bet. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, you're as I say, at the moment you're getting four to one, three places. But given we're off the final decks, if if one or two does do come up, you're only going to get your two places afterwards, and, and probably a, uh, a shorter price anyway as well. But your beer, the, the the dual selection for Andy and for Rory, and certainly Andy will look pretty clever if they, if if eight do go to post on on Thursday. Third realm, the other one Andy uh, gives a favourable mention for is nine to two standout with bet three six five. Onto the NASA where there are just six runners. Uh, Adaria is the fifteen to eight favourite. Joan of Arc five to two. Lady Bothorpe three to one. Uh, Empress Josephine ten to one. Zadaya eleven to one. And Technique thirty three to one. So another trappy affair. This uh, Andy uh, with three certainly uh, market principles at the top end. So who do you fancy to to well who do you fancy at the moment to be the the play? Yeah, a lot of um, bookmaker friendly races on there. Seven runners, not really. Um, for us each way back as um, <clears throat> we, we tend to scorn upon these races um, I, I think the one I'd, I'd be with here is, is Odaria who for me has probably got the strongest form um, you could probably handpick any of her any of her runs really in the last 12 months to say well that's the best form 
personally, I think they they um, the running the the Pridilopera is the is the pick when when she was a creditable third to that very very good uh, mayor of um, or filly of Dermot Wells, uh, Tarnawa, um, and there was a whole host of uh, quality um, horses in and around her that day. Another key factor to her is that she's got Goodwood form, something that the others in the in the field can't boast. Um, I've, I've touched upon quite a few times in the podcast horses that are run well run well in victory or even defeat at this track having a, maybe some kind of tactical advantage because they've been around here um, and I'd, I'd certainly have a healthy respect to the three years, particularly Joan of Arc of course um, you know is, is representative of top quality um, three year old classic form this season she's obviously going to be um, a thorn in the side to, to favourite backers here but I'd, I'd go with Odaria on, on several counts Um her ability down the ground for for one, a group one love perform from last year and course form, all making her quite a, a tempting proposition, albeit the price isn't that great. Daria, the the one there for Andy, the favourite, fifteen to eight best price uh, as it stands. That is with um, I think it was Skybet, yeah, with Skybet at the moment. So Rory, uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. To be honest, I um. I couldn't see past Otaria here. It's a good race. I mean, I'm not suggesting it's a it's a terrible Nassau Stakes, um, but she's um, she's got ticks in all the boxes really here. She handles the track. Um, she's at home in heavy ground. She's got that little bit of extra class uh, compared to her rivals. There are one or two who are open to improvement. You know, either of the O'Brien fillies um, could step forward. We've seen that often enough. Um, but Otaria's got really, really solid form. She ran an absolute cracker on firm ground on her return to action. She won't mind um, what the going is here. And I think she is a bit of a class act. So very hard to beat. Daria, hard to beat. Double thumbs up from Rory and Andy there in the Nassau 15 to 8 best price, as I said. And we've got through the four first races there in record time. So I think we need to talk about the, the nursery here. Otherwise, you know, give the people what they want and give them the content that they need. Uh, so we've got the nursery now, the seven final nursery, the 410. Uh, Abracadabrin is the four to one favourite to Highland Premier thirteen to two, Aswan seven to one alongside a Juvent, uh, Rabasta eight to one Mayfair Stroll nine to one South Audley ten to one twelve to one Bar fifteen run as it stands Skybet sticking their neck out with five places at the moment a couple of others Paddies and Hills both four and Unibet as well I should say uh, and Betfred and Betway. Uh, Andy, have you ever managed to have a look at the nursery? I feel like yeah. I may have jumped you in the deep end here. No, I'm... not at all. No, no. Um... I do quite a lot of work on the two races, particularly the maidens, and that all builds up to these kind of events um, sooner rather than later. Um, my recollection of this race, uh, Rory might put me right on this, is that uh, Richard Hannon and um, Andrew Baldwin tend to do quite well in, in, in these kind of events, particularly at this track. I'd, I'd be very keen on um, a Bracken, Ard Bracken, sorry. Um, she, she was run up to that nice horse of Jonathan Daly Gosden's second start uh, in, in Spiral. Um, who made light work of her field at Ascot on uh, over the weekend? I think she could be group class. Um, in fact, I think I think she's definitely group class. And then she went back to the July course and, and won. I thought with a bit bit up her sleeve the next time. Uh, the the, the likable thing about her is she's got plenty of scope. If you look at her as a physical specimen, she's um, she carries quite a lot a lot of body about. She's very masculine looking uh, filly. That gives me some kind of hope that she might handle the ground because because she's quite strong. I don't know that for definite because she's only raced on a fast surface up to now. So I'm a little bit guessing. So she's definitely shortlist material. And I'd be more than happy to keep Robasta on my side as well. Um, her, her, Sorry, his time figure uh, when he won 
at um, Ascot last time out was very healthy. And he's got form behind Go Bears Go early on in the season. Mm. And we've seen him go on to Patton Glory at um, the Cora. I'd, I'd be li- le- less convinced with him with regards to the seven furlong trip than I would be Ard Bracken. Um, so I'd, I'd probably have more on Ard Bracken than I would um, Robasta. But um, yeah, I, th- I think Robasta's certainly worth sticking in some kind of uh, um, sort of permutations. So yeah, those would be my two against the field, the two from the Hannon and um, Balding camp. Robasta, eight to one, pretty much across the board. Uh, Ard Bracken, four to one, best price. That's with William Hill, who are. Yeah, standout price. Most firms going three to one. So if you're quick, you can get that fours with Hills, uh, Rory. Uh, the one that took my eye here um, straight away was Adjuvant for um, for Michael Bell. Um, won a um, soft ground novice over seven furlongs at, uh, at Salisbury last time out um, in in decent style. Um, slightly stiffer seven than the, than the seven at Goodwood, which would be the slight concern because I think Adjuvant um, a son of New Bay will stay further than, than seven furlongs. So the, there's a marginal uh, concern about um, uh, about the trip, but if the ground is still very testing, then that will um, that will offset that to a degree. Um, when both the starts, so get uh, able to get into uh, into nursery straight away uh, on that basis. Both of them will come in softish ground. He's found plenty for pressure both times. Ryan Moore um, booked for for Michael Bell, rather unusual booking for the uh, for the stable, but it suggests that um, that he means business. Um, and he's drawn and stole one, which I don't tend to. I try not to overplay um, the the inside stall here, but um, certainly as long as the grind's not not um, as bad as it is now, when the going sort of good, good to soft, um, it's definitely an advantage over seven furlongs to be drawn pretty low. Um, so stall one is, is definitely not a bad thing. And the, the only thing is he's clearly not going to lead in this race. So he's going to be coming from behind. So the only question is what kind of route Ryan Moore gets through. But I was, as I was saying on our, on our day one uh, preview, um, when Ryan Moore is riding well, he rides good, which, um, better than anyone. So hopefully he can pick his way through. Well, Rory, just while we're, on, we're talking about the draw, and it's, it's come to my mind here. Um, what we haven't discussed is the, the possibility of the jockeys coming across towards the stand side rail. Yes. Um, whether that'll be played out on the first day and then the, the dynamics of the rest of the week kind of um, follow suit. Uh, do you think that'll be the case for day one or, or are, we, are we just let it, let it ride and see, see what happens? They definitely will at some stage. You might get one of those scenarios where I always get the impression that when the jockeys go into the weighing room at the first place, there's a sign on the wall saying you will go here in race one. And then in race two, it'll say, and race two, you'll go here. Because I see some races where the jockeys all go to the far side of the track, uh, or most of them do, and the winner is drawn on that side. And the next race, despite the fact that it looks like that's an advantage, they all go the other side. And it's almost like, you know, they've opened an envelope saying, don't be doing that. Um, <laughs> and it's, it, it can be a bit of a head scratcher at times. So it may well be that today, um, when people are, when the jockeys are feeling their way around a little bit, um, th- there will be different routes taken in different races on the on the. Um, the round course. But I, when there's heavy in the going description, I think the chances are that they will be tacking across to the middle, uh, middle slash stand side uh, in most of those races. Whereas when the going's uh, no worse than soft, I think the uh, in the early races at the very least, the jockeys tend to, start to stick to the, um, to the, the far side rail. Um, but when it gets very testing, there is always an advantage uh, to race more towards the stand side, so I'm sure they'll do that. We've seen it in um, we've seen it in the uh, in the Sussex Stakes 
a few years ago, and there was a big um, uh, a big turn up in that when they've all come right across to the the stands rail and the uh, the favourite, despite the fact they only were five runners in the race, got no run at all, and that was Rochester. So yeah, I think that will happen today. I, if it dries out later in the week, then I think it's less and less likely to happen. Yeah. Um, but we will see it early on. And I think there, the most important thing then isn't the draw. The most important thing where the field are going to tack across um, to uh, the opposite rail is the one they'd normally race on. It's who can take a good position. It's going to be the leader coming into the straight who will make that decision. Um, and that can be absolutely crucial. The first horse to get to the best of the ground um, can be at a, a at a big advantage. So it doesn't really matter if you've got a good draw, if you're coming from behind, because you'll be a hostage to fortune, you'll be following others. Um, and it's those who've got the early pace. So I'm, you know, knowing the ground's going to be very soft for the first two days will change my view a little bit on horses that I didn't like drawn wide, if I think they've got the tool to do it, especially with non-runners making the field smaller as well. Interesting stuff uh, there from Rory. Uh, we've got two more races just to touch on uh, on the last, sorry, on the third day of Glorious Goodwood. Uh, no prices out for either as it stands, but we'll touch on them in case there's any horses you guys just want to flag up. Uh, we've got the um, the seven furlong uh, Phillies Maiden uh, in the 4.45 and then the five furlong, um, five furlong handicap to finish as well with 16 entered as it stands at the moment. Uh, Andy, any that you're looking out for at the moment? Yeah, I'd, I'd, if I was to roll the clock back and and somebody have asked me on say Saturday Sunday what what's your nap of the the meeting for Goodwood, um, I wouldn't have hesitated in saying Twilight Calls, um, but at time of recording it's heavy, soft in places. We don't know what the ground's going to be like on Thursday. Look, if it dries out and it, it's not too bad, and there's a nice trip up the Sansai Rails, then I'd, I'd still want him on my mind because I do think this horse is. Probably the not one of the nicest horses I've seen all season. I I think they finally worked out that he wants five furlongs. Um, he kept travelling up, not quite getting home over six. Looked a class horse all the way through. Then um, that that victory at Newmarket the other day when he when he beat the older horses. Goodness me! I mean, <laughs> when he came there, it looks as if he just joined in. He's he's, he's back end split. Of, I still can't believe he did thirty two for three. He did mm. uh, which is abs- the last time I got a horse doing thirty two and change at Newmarket it was Calix. When he really? won on his, I think it was def, I think it was his debut or his second start before he won at Royal Ascot. Um, so we're talking. This is a horse right out the top draw. He's absolutely hundred percent guaranteed pattern horse. This is all day long. I haven't got any question of nominating him as a as a future group horse. He'll he'll win off ninety five. Um, standing on his head. I mean, he's just <laughs> different gear to this lot, but. The ground's the, the only unknown. Um, he's gotten good to soft on debut. I, I, I remember looking at his debut run when he travelled up really well beyond um, Cairngorms, but he didn't get home that day over six. But um, so yeah, if it, look, if it, if it was to dry and it was no worse than let's say good to soft on Thursday, I'd still be looking to push my chips in, in on him. I, I think he's a very talented horse. I think whatever happens, look, he's one for the for the viewers to keep on their side for the rest of the season. Whatever happens to him, Goodwood, he might not run, but he's he's a special talent over five furlongs. One for the notebook there, Twilight Calls, that is entered to run in the last, the 5.20 on Thursday. Uh, Rory, any for you in those last two races? Uh, I'll go, I'll actually look at the Phillies Maiden. Um, again, Andy's hoping that the ground is not too soft for Twilight Calls, who's who's clearly very interesting, and I'm not going to, uh, to suggest one against them there. But if it is on the soft side, still very much on the soft side um, for that Phillies Maiden, 
I thought there's a newcomer in there who is very much bred, bred to be smart and bred to handle the, um, uh, the ground as well. Rafe Beckett's Shout Out, written by Oshin Murphy. Um, she is um, half-sister to a couple of horses, Afraid of Nothing and Twisted Reality, who both won on very soft ground. Um, daughter of Havana Gold, Rafe Beckett's, um, his colts tend to need a run first time out. His fillies tend to be more likely to be ready. She's nicely drawn in stall five. You don't want to be stuck too wide in a maiden fillies race. Um, over seven furlongs here, and there's 18 runners declared for it. They won't all stand their ground, but stall five is a nice place to be. Osha Murphy riding out of his skin at the moment. I, I suspect she'll be ready for this as well. So I thought Shout Out was, was very interesting on paper. <laughs> Obviously, no prices there. She'll be two to one or, or 20 to one. I haven't a clue, but um, she's, she's another, definitely another one. Course, I guess. Sorry? Another notebook course, another one just, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, she's, well, certainly certainly on, on this sort of grind, she's she's bred to handle it and, and plenty of them aren't. She's got an entry tomorrow at Leicester as well with Kieran. Oh, Palmer yeah, that's a very up. good point. She's, she's already, uh, so I've already just noticed that now. So she's engaged at Leicester. She's liable to run there unless they pull her out. Either way, have a look at Leicester, maybe. You know, you come here for a Goodwood podcast, you might get a winner at Leicester. That's, that, that's what we're all about. Uh, thank you to both Andy and Rory for giving us their thoughts here. We'll be recording uh, the last two days uh, later on in the week. So do check out the Odds Checker YouTube channel and please subscribe to it for those uh, previews. Plenty of other content and feature content going up on the Odds Checker YouTube channel fairly soon as well. You can find all of the previews as podcasts and the Odds, Odds Checker betting show on any podcast provider as well. Do download the Odds Checker app for all the best prices. You know, it's massive differences in these prices uh, and you've got to make sure you're getting the best you can get. So do download the Odds Checker app for that and best place terms, bookie offers, free bets and plenty of other bits and bobs as well, including Andy's tips uh, straight to the app at about 9am every morning of racing, not just for Goodwood, but throughout the year. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and video. Please do join us for day four and five or go back and watch day two if it's not too late as well hopefully a few winners in day one and day two as well but please do enjoy the racing and please gamble responsibly 